Hi everyone, welcome back. You're listening to the Venture Poland podcast. My name is Daniel Czachorowski and my goal is to promote Poland and new technologies that are being developed in my country. In the podcast, I interview Polish entrepreneurs, startup founders, managers and engineers to share some of their best insights and technology expertise. Today I have a special guest for you. We used to work together some time ago and I'm very proud of what he has accomplished over the years. Kamil Kozłowski is a C-level executive and a shareholder at Unisystem Limited. The company deals with manufacturing and distribution of industrial-grade displays and touchscreens. In the interview, we will hear how important it is to close your eyes and hustle without expectations, as well as how to properly cooperate with business partners from the Far East. Experience, comment, share and enjoy. First of all, Kamil, I would like to say that, you know, it's great to meet you again. So it's a really great uh, honor for me to talk to you and to see what you have achieved so far together with your teammates. When I've looked at your uh, LinkedIn uh, account, because that was the main source of information for me and the main source of uh, idea on uh, on this episode, I would like to understand what was your uh, role within the business, within Unisystem at the very beginning and how did you end up actually running the company? So I hope it won't be too complicated answer because the the way it's pretty simple, at least as I see it today. Of course, if we just talk about things that happened, they were very regular. So I started as a field application engineer. Uh, actually, I needed a display. So I called this company and then the, the owner, which is my partner in business right now, said, OK, I cannot answer you all your questions, but actually I, I'm looking for an engineer. Maybe you would like to work for me. And that's how it began. But later, um, uh, I have seen that with a proper technical help, we were able to sell much more. And then I was uh, starting to think, what if we will add not only problem solving with the display, but maybe our own design, our own solutions to the display. And uh, I figured out a few things that could be done. And I was surprised, which is, I think, pretty common, that you realize that there is a simple solution, but you see that nobody is doing that. And you start to wonder why. And sometimes the answer is just because nobody's doing that, because nobody's seen this uh, before. And I, I've seen a few things that we could do with, uh, with, with display or touch. Uh, and, and we use this um, uh, and, and it worked. Yeah? So we, 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 we did like a bigger business. And then I talked with the, with the owner that, okay, we can do it uh, and maybe move it forward because I see a potential in this, but I would like to be, of course, a part of it. Yeah. So then I become like a business development manager. And then I knew it, at least for myself, that uh, that I'm on the way to be a partner of this company. Yeah? This is the only, only way that I, I see uh, that I can be fully involved. And, and the, the Swabek, which is my partner, agreed yeah, that if we will achieve certain uh, goals, and develop the business to a certain level, then then we can discuss uh, really realistically uh, that to, to become a partner, yeah, mm-hmm. which happened in 2015, yeah, uh, actually. So how big was the business when you actually started? Okay, it was uh, four people in office and one warehouse guy, so totally five people, um, and then then I joined, so in 
pretty small and in terms of revenue maybe i will like not to talk direct numbers but uh, from from that time uh, until now so it's eight years already the business grow 10 times yeah um, and we have over 30 people right now yeah so so it changed a lot and uh, the the company focus let's say changed from just distributor that is selling like we we call it buy and sell or moving boxes to the to the solution provider yeah so that that that's something different so if you would summarize this and i can probably help you with that by adding more value to your customers the company grew organically more or less yes yeah. finding better solutions of course cheaper because it's very important uh, better in terms of quality usage manufacturing Maybe I will go back also to your question because you ask how um, and maybe not only to the people that are in a technical field, but in general, you said, how to how to do it. I would say just work very hard and do not look at anything else. Yeah, If you don't like your boss, just work hard. You don't like your company, still work hard. You work for yourself. Yeah, Even if you will change the company or something else, you always work for you. Yeah, I sometimes see people that resign very fast. I had people here that I offered them that maybe you will become a manager. But right now I would like to send you to the to this managing course maybe and I would like you to read this book and try to like read maybe one article a day, like technical, because you need to gain the knowledge, understanding and maybe try to help other people first and then we will discuss. And most of them say, okay, I will try. Maybe a week later they resign. Or some of them even say, no, no, no. First I want position and then... I will go to the course, let's say, and lose my private time because most of these things you need to do in your private time yeah, to develop yourself. Absolutely. So there is a lot of people that actually don't want to do it or will pretend that they want to do it, but actually they are, they are not interested. They just want a salary and position, let's say. Yeah. So your suggestion would be just to work hard. Work and, very hard. And keep focused. And this is and how you... Don't think about rest too much yeah just yes, focus on, on on your goals that, that's true so uh, in in few sentences just tell me your current role as a uh, vice president of operations what does it involve just in general in the company running a 30 plus people a technical company so basically because i'm a technical guy so i'm also like cto of the company so technical director so my role is um, uh, beside operations also developing or at least uh, managing development of new technologies that we are implementing uh, in a company but daily yes i do a lot of tasks that uh, are connected with operations of the company because uh, when the company changed from five people to 35 then it's completely different uh, maybe from 35 to 135 will be similar but the first 10 20 30 people um, um, require to build the structure and the structure need to cooperate then you have departments, you have uh, different managers, and this is my role to, to keep it all together. Yeah? So to glue everything and to make sure that the people that used to be an engineer and now maybe are the managers uh, will work with other managers and other teams. I also do a lot of uh, financial things. I'm quite good at it. So uh, because we don't have finance director, uh, so uh, this is my role as well. Yeah? To analyze the data, analyze the, the, the cash flow and everything. So this is my role as well. Quite a comprehensive skill set is required to actually do all the three roles. You, you probably work quite hard. Probably, yeah. But I don't work 
that many hours, especially when my daughter uh, is nine months right now. Uh, so so it, it changed my, my private life. So I cannot work uh, that hard as I used to. Uh, but still, I try to be like 10, maybe sometimes longer hours per day. But before, as I said to you, work hard. Uh, I usually spent maybe 14 to 16 hours even a day uh, before I become director. Yeah? And I didn't know if I will. So most of the people don't want to do it. If you ask them to stay 10 hours, they say, no, you know, it's too much. You need to pay me more or what's there for me? Or are you sure that I will be a director? Yeah? So I, I wasn't as well and still I wanted to do it. Yeah? So I, I usually started at 6 o'clock or 7 and then I stayed like 9 or 10 even before I had the family. So it is a lot of work. But as I said, now I don't work that much in terms of hours. But I'm extremely lucky with the people that I have here. Yeah? So I have few really, really smart and hardworking people. So if you would maybe summarize, what kind of skills are really required to, um, to be in your position right now? If you have to run a company like that, what are the key things you have to keep in mind on a daily basis? Is it communications or is it something to do with uh, finances? Finance is just the base. You need to do it. You need to be sure that you're safe there, yeah? that there will be money for salaries, money for the, for the goods and the cash flow will be okay. So this is like the basic stuff you need to do. Yeah? But this is not enough, yeah? So what you need more is, uh, I would say still the most important part will be to, to, to have this vision, what you want to achieve, maybe in three to five years, and then to find right people that will do it with you. You will not do it yourself. Yeah? Even if I will have 30 people, like regular people, I won't be able to manage a great company that I, I think Unisystem is. So very important skill is is to find the right people, which is also a skill, I would say. I have done hundreds of interviews, and I, I found only few people that, that are able to help you really develop the company. Yeah? It's not that simple that you, know, you just find the right people and they, they will do everything. You need to work with them as well. But I would say the other way, without right people, you will not be able, if you, even if you are the best manager, yeah? You need to find the motivated people. You will not motivate unmotivated people. Okay, so maybe let's jump into something else. Um, looking at the profile of the company, well, it's quite obvious that uh, you guys deal with quite a lot of businesses globally. And I've noticed that quite a lot of uh, suppliers you deal with are obviously from uh, Far East. I think it's a very interesting topic and it's interesting for me. That's why I think it's going to be interesting as well for the audience. What kind of barriers or what kind of difficulties you find in dealing with uh, companies from the Far East? Because I think, and this is as well from my experience, it's not that easy and you have to have some kind of methods of working with them. How does it work for you guys? Of course. It's not that simple. Uh, so you, you need to have these methods, as you mentioned, how to communicate with the different culture. Because even if we both use English in many ways, the thinking is different. Yeah? So, so to, you need to have these methods for daily work to keep the conversations effective. Let's say with Chinese company, you can exchange emails for a month and nothing will be solved. Yeah? So you need to find the special ways um, how to communicate with them to really, really do it fast. Yeah? So if you, for example, want to ask five questions, you should point them out clearly in your conversation. You cannot just put them like sentence after sentence yeah? because you will get the answer only for one and in most cases the easiest one for them, of course. Yeah? And the rest, especially the hard questions, they always skip. Yeah? 
So this is like very simple stuff uh, that you need to understand how to how to do it. Yeah? Because if you want, you will lose the time. Yeah? So we need to put like five points, maybe an underline, please answer me point by point. Yeah? Uh, do not skip any of above. And still you will cut one question answered anyway uh, uh, sometimes, but it's better. What I would say is also important is if you want to work with a big players in Asia, you need to show show your value here. I mean, Europe, for example, yeah, that you really are able to, to bring a big customers and solve some problems that you will not be only, as I said, company moving boxes, but really uh, a company that can improve their, let's say, product to be implemented in the market. Yeah? So they produce something like a display, but actually the company in Europe cannot use just the display. Yeah? The company here need a, maybe a display and a touch that will work together. But you have two suppliers. One is for the touch, one is for the, for the TFT. Yeah? And if this customer will buy them, they will be responsible to make them work together. Yeah? And if something will be working not as good as it should, then you don't know who to blame. Or is it the TFT maybe making too much noise? Or maybe it's a capacitive touchscreen not handling the noise enough. And if it's like Unisystem connecting together, then our engineers work on that. Yes, So we work on the firmware of the touchscreen usually to make them work properly. And then we guarantee that it will work. So that's why this TFT company and this touch company say, okay, it's great to work with Unisystem because they solve the problems and they are responsible to implement. Yeah. Mm. So you need to show your value. And of course, uh, working with Asians, I think it's pretty common knowledge. Uh, it's very important to know in person the high management of the company. So they really appreciate that. So you need to visit them, you need to shake hands, you need to have this dinner, you need to talk, you need to make this uh, almost private re- relation. Yeah, For them, it's very, very important. Okay, so on the note of um, discussing business with Far Eastern countries, what would you suggest the companies looking for suppliers or business partners in general, what what are the key factors to keep in mind and how how to actually get a good partner? I think that it's probably the same thing with employees. Good employee means you can drive the business. Good partner, it means you can actually drive the business. So I would say that with a, maybe with the business partners in Far East, uh, it could be even easier uh, than with employees, yeah? So, so the method is very simple. You need to find lots of them and visit them all. Prepare the checklist, what you want from them, and then go from factory to factory and check, and then evaluate things and maybe go back again. And this way you can, you can learn how they differ from each other and which one will be, will be better for you. Yeah? I would say that it is impossible to just sit there, Google some companies and say, okay, I have found a good partner. Maybe, maybe you have a luck and and it could work. But I would recommend you to to go and visit as many companies as possible. You can visit sometimes maybe six to 10 a day. Uh, It it doesn't need to be like long visits every time. It could be like half an hour, one hour to just see and have this first impression. And this way you will learn what you really want uh, and what they can offer because it's completely different than in Europe. So if you are a person who never worked with uh, with a Chinese companies, then I recommend you to to go and, and build better understanding what's there because it's different. Mm, absolutely. So so would you consider it as a risk if someone would try to cooperate with a Far Eastern company 
without actually knowing them in person if if they want to grow their business by using a supplier from Far East. Absolutely. Um, there is a risk quite high, especially if, if you really want to use uh, their product in your device or your product that you want to implement on the market later. So uh, there is plenty of uh, risk from quality to, to maybe supply chain and the lead times that they will offer later, stability of the product, I mean the lifetime and, and maybe the, the prices as well, and, uh, that are very important for you if you want to run a business based on the components from the company. So yes, uh, there are a lot of risks and, and it's, it's important to, to check who are you working with before you really start the business. I would recommend maybe to order samples from each company of something, maybe to go through some design process together, even like a demo phase of some design together and pay attention to every detail, yeah? How fast they respond, how good was the sample, how how it was packed, how they work, yeah? If they only reply you during the day or also during the, the, the late evening hours, which is crucial sometimes uh, because many Chinese companies or Asian companies work uh, late hours, but not all of them, yeah? And those who are usually are much more let's say, dedicated, reliable, and then you can still work on maybe Saturday, they will help to solve the problem. So um, let's assume that you've got a partner. Mm -hmm. How would you manage him? Is there a standard process you have implemented to do that? What practices you use to actually keep that cooperation in good manners so all parties, including your customers, are getting what they want? So I would say the, the daily communication is very important. So to, to keep an eye on them, what they do, uh, and if they receive the order, if the order is uh, confirmed, if they have materials, when they want to produce, how they want to produce, etc. So so to not leave everything to them, but to control this as much as possible. Yeah. Of course, if you have partners that you work many years and you have no problems and you know very well how they are organized inside and you are happy with their let's say organization then maybe you don't need to to control that much but normally i would say that controlling them is a is a key factor to like decrease the risk of the cooperation i consider unisystem uh, as a responsible party yes? so uh, i want my customer to to sleep well let's let's say and and to say i don't worry at all because i ordered this from unisystem and the guys there worry a lot, yeah? How and when the goods will be done and if they will be on time and with the proper quality, etc. Yeah? So we try to put on our staff as much as possible to leave the customer free from that, yeah? So to keep the good corporation is like to keep control, yeah? So trust but control at the same time, yeah? Like I said, close and daily, even daily com communication, uh, maybe some regular visits, yeah. They don't need to be like every month. A yearly visit usually is enough. But they should know also more of your people, not only like the highest management, but also the people like your logistic people or engineers, etc. So it's also good if the people know each other on different levels and then they can work much more effective later, yeah. The Asians become friends very, very fast and very easily. And they like this other methods of communication, not only official maybe mail, but also like calls or using WhatsApp or WeChat or Line. It seems like it is really different uh, from country to country, from nation to nation. I, I think it's it's great that you have nailed the methods to, to cooperate and build relations with Far Eastern companies. And mm -hmm. 
Now, uh, maybe let's uh, talk about something a bit more relaxed. I'm curious, what would be the next big change in the display industry? And I've put that question in my list uh, on purpose because you can see quite a lot of changes in technology, like always, for last 20, 30 years. Every year, every month, you hear about something new. Is there anything big coming in? The question is more related maybe to the consumer kind of company. We are mainly in uh, industrial or semi-industrial. Uh, and here uh, in our part of the business, of the display business, uh, the changes are not that fast and they are usually not very, let's say, uh, welcomed even. So if you produce the, if you manufacture industrial device, you want to manufacture it for 10 or sometimes 15 years and you want the same display. So even if, you, if I would say, oh, there is a new technology, you will have this enhancement, uh, usually the answer is no, I want the same because this one is already tested, EMC and everything is done. I don't want a new technology. So in a, in a business that we work, it's not that important and we do not even try to follow the latest display trends that are in a consumer market, yeah, that you have this, let's say, foldable displays right now, wearable, uh, which is the next big thing for sure. Uh, so we will not even try to use this kind of technologies because they are very unstable and rather not available for the industrial business. Why? Uh, basically uh, because of the, um, of the timing. For the industrial project, you need maybe two, three years for development uh, before you put it on the market and then you want to um, produce it, as I said already, for many years. Uh, and for consumer products, you have maybe three or six months development of the new phone or something like that and you want to manufacture it for a year or two with a huge quantity yeah so those guys or companies that are creating a new display technologies they of course focus on a volume first yeah so they they want to to make this foldable display and they want to first put it into the the maybe foldable phone or something like that yeah so in a device that will be produced 10 million per month yeah so, and they are not interested to put it maybe in some industrial applications. We could probably find industrial applications for the foldable display, but maybe we'll be able to, to sell, I don't know, 100,000 pieces per year yeah, for some device maybe that will show you something and you'll put it on the hand. Yeah? Probably useful, but the quantity will be too small to, to justify the, the cost of development. So I would say that um, industrial is maybe five to ten, ten years behind, uh, depending on the technology, behind the consumer market. Yeah, Like uh, a next big thing or, or a thing at least, industrial is e-paper. Yeah? So e-paper is a well-known um, technology uh, um, on the e-book market like Kindle and this kind of uh, devices and was developed by e-ink uh, basically uh, to, to replace the paper, yeah, the printed uh, page. And the first market were ebooks, yeah. And only recently, maybe from from two years, ink is opening for the new markets, yeah. So beside the seven or six inch displays or nine inch um, that are designed for ebook, they manufacture right now also the bigger screens that are intended to be used for maybe public information systems or bus stop to replace real posters. Mm, or maybe to put uh, like a big timetable on uh, on a metro station uh, that will look like a paper, but it's not the paper, it will be e-paper. And right now we are developing uh, these technologies. We are e-ink representative for, uh, for Central Europe. 
and we are working with them on this kind of technologies. But maybe three years ago, even, or five for sure, it wouldn't be possible, yeah? Even if the technology of the e-paper five years ago was mature in, in a Kindle, etc., but it was not available for, for industrial, yeah? So does this mean that we will actually get industrial devices with e-ink uh, displays or maybe devices which will... Industrial, semi-industrial, yes. So do they do they have colored ones? Yes, they do. Uh, but uh, the real color ones are on the way, let's say. So I have maybe... seen already the prototypes. They are amazing. Uh, but at the same time, very slow. So you need to wait, I don't know, maybe two minutes to refresh. Uh, the effect is amazing, but the cost is huge right now. And the temperature range, as I remember, is like 10 to 40. Mm. So it's completely indoor. You cannot use it uh, anywhere outdoor. So the real color is on the way. What we have right now is basically black, white, or black, white, and red, or black, white, yellow. There is one screen that, that is color, 4096 colors, but it uses color filters, not pigment. So actually, the, the basically, the display is black and white, but some of the pixels uh, have filters, and uh, the light is, that is reflected goes through the filter. So if you make it white and there is a red filter, you see a red pixel, more or less. But the colors there are not, not saturated. In our conversation before the interview, you've mentioned that the most interesting part of your work lays around the development of new technologies. And it is actually quite interesting that you've mentioned also that you are bringing the most difficult manufacturing processes back to Europe, back to Unisystem, back to Poland. Mm -hmm. So developing new technologies and manufacturing in Poland, that's quite rare i don't know is it is it difficult uh, what advantages you get by doing that and why don't you just hand over everything to your good partners back in far east okay so first thing if i would hand over everything i would have no value but it's not only this reason uh, the reason is that i see that we as a european citizens have much better understanding of how something should be done uh, to be useful for for european people and how like engineers from germany or italy or spain whatever would like to to have some problems solved mm, uh, so we have the same mindset and the communication is much easier uh, and also from the simple things the time zone is quite important because if you work intensively on the project that maybe you spend a couple of hours a day on communication which is not possible with the asian company also the the, the physical distance is is important because uh, uh, from from gdansk even you can fly to to almost any city in, in europe uh, in the same day i mean yeah so i have some visits that i do in germany or or italy that i go in the morning and i come back here in the evening and then i spend the day uh, with the customer or our engineers or our salespeople. I think it's very important to, to have this close communication. So if somebody tells that, oh, it will be okay uh, to work with Asian um, and, and do not see each other too often, it's actually not working in practice. So people need to, to see each other, to have uh, the object in hand, the same object that they are working on and talk together, have this thought shower. Uh, we don't use brainstorm anymore, you know, probably. <laughs> Uh, so you, to have this thought shower um, uh, to really develop some great ideas how to how to solve it. So after you design, then you want to want to manufacture it. And again, even if you have the really good design, all the 3D files, etc., 
still there will be some um, some problems or issues with the manufacturing. Uh, so if you just hand over this to the Chinese manufacturing company, again, you need to communicate a lot, discuss everything, because even the best design, if it goes to the production, there are some changes. Yeah, You cannot uh, yeah, avoid um, every problem or to, to design in a way that it will be uh, perfectly manufactured later. Yeah. So, uh, so this part also uh, we, we, we bring to Europe. So we, we have our own uh, manufacturing facility where we do assembly. So as I said before, we are in an industrial or semi-industrial area. So you are not doing huge quantities that are in a consumer market yet. So maybe thousands, ten thousands, hundred thousands, but still is nothing compared to maybe 10 million of, of phones that you need to manufacture per month. So you can create a quite effective manufacturer in Poland, for example, where the labor cost actually is still um, low. And right now, uh, we measure this quite often, is is very comparable to the Chinese uh, labor cost yeah, per, let's say, assembler on the assembly line. So our costs are not higher. So why to have the factory there if you can have it here and, and you can control it much better and the customer uh, can come here and, and, and work on the process with you every day. So especially at the beginning of the manufacturing uh, of the new design, it's, it's really important. Yeah? But most of the projects that if they will not go into huge volume, they stay in Europe. Yeah. Uh, so in our factory or sometimes we use our partners together with the customers. So not necessarily in Asia. So if you would tell us one more thing about the actual technology you're developing here, what, what would be the most innovative thing you're working on right now, which is something you can share with us, obviously? What, what would be the most interesting thing you can, you can uh, tell us about? Okay. I would say that... Uh, there are at least few of them. Of course, all of them connected to the display or, or touch technologies. So from a, maybe starting with the display, there will be intelligent display. So the controllers or maybe the software later uh, is making the developer job much easier. Yeah? So we don't need to, to work with the bare display, but you can work with a display that have this intelligency inside that can do uh, certain tasks itself. Yeah. So so this kind of things. Uh, but they are usually related to the lower volume projects. And then uh, with the maybe higher volume projects, what we recently developed were um, controllers for the capacitive touchscreens. And of course, they are made in Asia, I mean, uh, in a very good way. But what we have here is to adjust every parameter very fast. So normally, if you if you send it to Asia, they, they need maybe more time. Uh, it takes longer. And we have developed our own ways how to do it really effective. So our, let's say, development cost is much lower. Yeah? So we can achieve the same result maybe in two or three days that are made in Asia maybe in a week. So yeah? It's again related to the firmware, special software to tune all the parameters that are required for the touchscreen to work later properly. Yeah? Uh, other things are like mechanical parts also. So we do a lot of uh, mechanical assembly here, but this is maybe not very technologically complicated. Yeah. Maybe last thing before we finish, because uh, I think it's super crucial, especially when we put into context what you said at the beginning, do not stop learning, do not stop developing yourself, even if it's not your final praise. But you said that in the beginning, you should find a point where you should stop and start to work and act. That's so true. Of course, you need to do both and never forget to, to work. Yeah? Sometimes it's better to try and fail a couple of times then to maybe read 10 books and find this perfect way you will not find the perfect way this way yeah
So what would be then the latest thing you have learned, the, the most recent piece of knowledge which builds up to the family of skills you've got right now, uh, which heavily impacts uh, what you do with the company and for the company? Okay. During the years, I learned a lot of different things, but maybe the most recent would be to act really fast. So you have to find the conclusions and implement them really, really fast. So maybe you have one or two cases and based on them and based on very limited information that you have, you need to make decision how to make the next step. So, and you should do it really fast. You, you should not spend too much time thinking what will be really best, but uh, you, you should really implement of what you, um, what you know uh, immediately. For me, extremely motivating is a thing that the time is limited, yeah? Not only my lifetime, but also like the day and the week and the month, etc. So, so it's very important to push something, some progress every day. Yeah? So I would say that this is very important. So to work hard, as I said, but also work very fast. Yeah? So to really see that, that you are doing only the steps that are moving you forward. Do not waste time on the, on the other things and do not waste time maybe thinking too much if it's a good or bad. Yeah? Just maybe spend two, three minutes thinking and then do one way or another, yeah? Do you make decisions on your own or do you collectively just make the most crucial decisions based on what you just said? So uh, most of decisions uh, daily I try to make by my own uh, simply because I don't want to waste other people's time. But I value their opinion very much. So if the decision is a little bit bigger, I always try to, to gain other opinions that I value, but they will have different point of view and then to make decision, yeah? But Again, I try to, to keep the discipline and make it as short as possible, yeah? Decisions should be made the same day, yeah? To be also responsible for the timing. Because it's easy to say, okay, I will make a decision and take a month, gain all the data, and then have a clear answer, let's say, yeah? From, from like a spreadsheet, yeah? You put everything there and the, the answer will be calculated, yeah? What is better? In many ways, you need to just make a decision and you don't have information. And I guess that's a very important skill when you have a big team, when you have a very interesting business. If it's electronics, if it's any other business, I guess that's very universal skill. And I think, as you just said, it, it takes time to probably develop it, uh, but it's crucial. Yeah, I always consider myself as a manager, and I think every manager is a decision-making machine. Yeah, so you make a decision based on the on the on the input that you have, and in many cases you don't have enough input and still you need to make a decision. Yeah? So with time, you are able to make good decisions or very good decisions based on really limited information. Yeah? So maybe, maybe we can call it guts, yeah? that you, you have this feeling. But actually, there is nothing like this. It's really the knowledge and the experience, yeah? which we all later call guts or something like that. Great, Camille. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure not only to talk to you, but also see the company. Uh, thank you for the quick tour. Uh, it was great to speak to you. And I really think that the discussion was very informative. I really think that quite a few people may listen to it in some time and recognize your advices, you know, as good advices for them, for themselves, for their businesses. We'll be very happy. So uh, I hope that uh, you've enjoyed the interview. Thank you very much. And yes, uh, that was great to see you and uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. If you're still listening, it seems like you have managed to go through the whole interview with Camille. 
I think he really accomplished quite a lot and he's definitely a person who I would like to follow, who I would like to listen to or learn from. I hope that the interview was interesting for you. If you think it was, then just share it with your friends, with your work colleagues. It would really mean a lot to me. Thank you very much. Until next time. Thank you.